and you're just seeing sellers not want to sell. They're stuck in these two, three, four percent rates. Rents have gone up 20 plus percent since pre-pandemic. A lot of buyers are sitting on the side of the market because they don't want to buy right now. Um, they know inventories are low. They know interest rates are high and they want to, they want interest rates to come down. Welcome back to Get in the Cashflow Game with K&K, where we talk about investing in real estate, cash flow, building wealth, and all the lessons we learned along the way. And if you can, do me a huge favor. Please like and subscribe this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. That way we can continue to bring you value every week and get bigger and better guests on the show. All right, this week on Get in the Cashflow Game with K&K, it's only K and it's Kenny. Sorry to disappoint you. Crystal, She's just not here. But anyways, guys, I wanna jump right into it. This episode, I really wanna dive into, kind of like just take a step back and go, what in the world's going on in this real estate market? There is a lot of stuff going on right now. Since the beginning of this year, we've really seen the impact of the Fed raising rates. We've seen the impact of low housing inventory. We've seen the impact of banks, small banks, big banks, all the banks pulling back on lending. You know, we've seen the housing of, you know, we've seen the effects of inflation slowing, consumer slowing, all these things. And then also we're really starting to see effect of the big topics are um, obviously the banking debacle crash. Also, what else is going on out there, right? You're seeing, you know, some retails go good, some retail sales pull back and you're just seeing sellers not want to sell. They're stuck in these two, three, 4% rates. So you see these sellers stuck in two, three, 4% rates and it makes zero sense to sell their house. And so this episode, I just want to dive in and kind of give an analysis of all the stuff that we put out and just kind of recap on some of the important things, what's going on, what we're seeing, how it's affecting real estate market, residential. We'll dive into a little bit of commercial and just kind of like look at, you know, what is going on out there? And, you know, the feds are having a big role. Inflation's having a big role. Are they done, you know, tightening, raising rates? And obviously they're just going to keep rates sitting here raising till something broke. But look, what has broken is you broken crypto. The stock market definitely tech got hurt. You definitely broke the consumer a little bit, right? Because they are pulling back in some areas and spending in others. They're really spending in that experience. I mean, they're still buying the food, but they're really traveling is still up, even though it's expensive. The hotels, the airlines are booked. And then you're just seeing, you know, these small regional banks, even big banks are just pulling back from lending, which is really causing problems for small real estate deals, developers, businesses, small business loans. So it's impacting, you know, and I was just listening to something this morning that, you know, businesses are used to getting money around five to 8% on the average. And right now they're looking at 10 to 15%. Even though this is short term, it's not sustainable long term. So we're starting to see these high rates. I mean, literally 500 basis points in a year is insane. And you see the damage. You see what happens when we flood the market with money, low rates, bailing everybody out. You don't have to make your payments to waiting too long to start raising rates, realizing that we are we have inflation, it's real, it's here to stay. And then you're causing so many different markets. You're causing where the real estate market went up. The average home before you know, the pandemic is up 36% across the country. Obviously some areas are more than others, so that's an average. The average interest rate now for the, everybody has a mortgage is 3.78. I have, you know, the average interest rate today is a, definitely a six in front of it. So let's just call it double. And so, you know, the good thing is, is we're, we, we made a lot more loans at the lower rates and higher. And so a lot of us are sitting back going, man, what is going on out here? Because how are people still consuming? Because I was curious too. I was looking into it going, 
So how is it that people are consuming still? How is it that they have all this extra money? And so I started doing some research into this, and, you know, and I was reading some articles, listening to a lot of smart people that I follow, economists, money managers, you know, and somebody kind of broke it down. They said, hey, look, anybody that bought a home, let's just call it pre-219, 2019, just bought a home, owned a home, they most likely, most likely refinanced and locked in a really low mortgage rate that means a really low mortgage payment and they did not buy at you know these inflated prices with these low rates that happened in 2020 2021 2022 and still today obviously home prices are way up and so you have millions tens of millions of people that are sitting on a low fixed interest rate with a low payment look and when people did cash out refis during these this booming you know where the booming refi market was and the real estate kind of boom and all that like I think $500 billion was taking cash out. That money has gone somewhere. It paid off debt, remodeled houses, bought cars, trips, whatever it was, right? Whatever they did, started a business, they took the money out. So a lot of people probably took out money, cleaned up their debt situation. They got one low fixed payment. And the other thing that's happening is we got to think about is the job market when we came out of COVID was really strong. I mean, people were getting great offers, they're getting raises, you can work from home. And so as we've set in this inflationary environment, we slowly started realizing now that, hey, people, most people have a mortgage, have a low fixed rate, and most people that have a job probably got a raise. So as inflation went up, well, they made more money. So their biggest expense, which is the mortgage, is low. And yes, their expenses like food and gas and electricity, insurance and things like that have gone up, but they've also made more money and a lot of people stacked the savings rate was is still way higher than pre-pandemic even though it went way high because nobody spent it's still very high i think it was up 70 80 percent and now it's still up 30 40 percent from the pandemic people are in definitely a much better position i can tell you 100 percent sure we're in a much better position as borrowers than we were in 2008 because way more people had terrible mortgages we had 35 percent mortgages on arm rates today we have them you know at five percent of mortgages on arm rates so when you know the data and you study, you start realizing that people are in a pretty good spot. And yeah, people are going to lose money from bad real estate investments or which we're going to talk about. People are going to real, you know, lose money from investing in the stock market or things that blew up or crypto. But overall, people are in pretty good shape. They've got a job. They feel confident. They're spending money. And we haven't really gone into a recession or slowdown yet. I know we kind of felt a little bit of pain last year, but we kind of came out of it. And look, we are all surviving these high rates, which I honestly didn't think was possible. And the housing market has not crash because we have no inventory, which we're going to go through here shortly. There's some good things right now. It's not all bad. And then there's also some bad things. And then there's also some things that we're looking at that are warning signs that we need to focus on that are caution. So let's dive into it and let's get going. I want to say we're in a, for I'm talking one to four units. So this normal, want to buy a home, single family residence. We are in a real estate ice age. And the reason why I say that is our inventory is at all time lows, literally all time lows. It is terrible. It is a crisis right now. I can tell you I'm sitting here in San Diego and San Diego started at the beginning of the year with over 3,000, you know, one to four unit properties on the market, all of San Diego. This San Diego is 3 million plus people. This isn't a small city. I don't know how big we are in the, you know, the country, but that's not a small city. As I sit here and shoot this on May, right before Memorial Day weekend, so you guys have it, you know, right here, May 26th, I think, there's 2,300, 2,400 properties on the market. And that's all. And if you took 
one and a half million and below, I think it's like sub 1,000. So let me give you a couple interesting facts. Just let's take San Diego since I'm here and I know a lot of you on the watches are here. So, so San Diego new listings, right? So if we go back to 2021 and the crazy thing is, is let's stop and think about this. We are comparing listings to when they were super low already. So 2021 is not a good year to compare to or 2022 because we still had low inventory, but we're comparing it to low inventory and we're lower than that. A normal time this time of the year of a normal market, normal in San Diego, right about May, June, July, we should be around 10 to 12,000 listings easily, but we're not. We're at 2,400 right? And we're not even growing. So check this out. San Diego listings in April for 2021, new listings was 2830. Okay. For 2022 is 2613. And for 2023, it was 696 listings. It's basically four times less, remember, than the lowest of lows. So that's why I call in the ice age. It's where these sellers are locked up, they're frozen. Think about it. If you are a seller and you're selling your property today, let's go through it. Divorce, death, partner split up, flight to cash, you're moving your job, want to move up on houses, right? Like those are typical. Maybe there's more, you know, you got to sell because you're behind on payment, short sale foreclosure, and before you get that, you're going to sell, right? So that's flight to cash, you're getting out of a situation. What you're not seeing is the normal, I'm going to sell my house and move up from the starter home. And in California, I know in Texas or Oklahoma, you might go buy your forever home because it's 350000 I don't need to buy anymore. But in California, typically you have a starter home and then you might move up to one or two more homes because it's expensive here. And so you get in and then you move up. So we're just not, the sellers are stuck. It's an ice age. They're trapped. They're trapped. They've got a low fixed rate. They've got a locked in payment besides taxes, insurance that could change. They might have pulled cash out, put it in the bank for a rainy day or paid off some debt or redid their house. So now they feel it's like fresh and new, the kitchen, the backyard, all that, right? Maybe re-landscape because of COVID, they're locked in there. I know the nurseries are going crazy here. But the other thing is if they sell to go buy another house, it's so much more expensive. So the price is more expensive. The taxes are more insurance expensive. The insurance is going to be more expensive. The payment's more expensive. The rate's more expensive. Where's the motivation? It's very, very minimal motivation, right? So hold the flop right there. Let's go. Come on, go lay down. So there's just no motivation. So with that being said, there's the housing crisis 2.0, which I'm calling is you've got that person that eventually there's going to be a number of people that need to trade up. They need to have, get out of the condo and get a house because they're trapped there because they got kids and family, they're growing out of it. But what I'm hearing, what I'm reading, what I'm seeing when I talk to people is that I wrote an article about this week that the accidental real estate investor, meaning that if you're, you have a house that's locked at a, you know, 3% 30 year fix, let's just call it your mortgage payments, 25 bucks, $3,000, $3,500, whatever it is. Rents, right? We didn't get a rent. Rents have gone up 20 plus percent since pre-pandemic. So everybody's locked in and the rents have gone up. So you're sitting here going, okay, I'm going to sell my house to buy this new house. And all of a sudden you start looking going, wait a minute. I've got some money in the bank. I can put a little bit down. I can, you know, get money from mom, dad, whatever. I got options. Why am I going to sell my house? My payment's $3,000 and I can rent it for $5,000. I can make $2,000. Yes, there's expensive to run it, but you know, let's just keep that aside. Let's say worst case, you make 1500 bucks a month. Then you're going to go buy that new house. Yeah, it's going to cost you more, but all of a sudden you got 
$1,000 of cash flow, and I'm using a place like San Diego. I know other parts of the country could be $500 or 1,000, but their mortgage payment's gonna be less, so it's all relative. And people here, yeah, you might owe $3,500 on a payment, you're making $6,500, $7,000 on a house. Yes, that's the rent, it just depends on where you are. It could be a big, so you can use that cash flow to offset this new house. But then you have an investment property, and you have a lot of equity locked up, and for the future, it's like a retirement plan. You could sell it one day, you could tap into that equity, you could you know sell that and trade out of into a bigger property. So there's options here. So that house that you want to keep because you can cash flow because it makes sense and you don't need the equity to buy something. Maybe you do take a little bit of equity out or you already did or you take it out on a HELOC, 100,000. Yeah, the HELOC rate's high, but you're still cash flowing. You still want to keep it, but then you're not going to sell the house. So that's inventory that's not going to hit the market. So there's the housing crisis 2.0 that I've been mentioning and talking about. But let's take some stats here. So in a recent um, article by Housing Wire, 70,000 new homes are available across the US right now, which is all time low. That's new construction. 263 homes are under construction that are due in the next four to five months. 100,000 homes have not even been started. So there's just still nothing. I think there's four or 500,000 listings on the market in the US. Mortgage rates have ticked up since this debt crisis right going on. Um, as I said here, they still haven't squared it away. It will get squared away. They're not gonna default. Hopefully after this mess is done, treasuries will pull back because we basically gained about three eighths to half a point interest rate because of this nonsense. It's always something, right? But it's not helping the cause. So interest rates are up. And the other thing is that what got more expensive is you guys have heard this, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they came out and basically they call them loan level LLPAs, loan level price adjustments, which means not the rate, but it could affect the rate, but there's the rate. And then, you know, sometimes you get a rebate if the rate's higher and then you have to pay a buy down if the rate's lower. Well, that's because there's these this cost in the back loan, right? Thinking margin, there's a margin. Well, they are charging you depending on your scenario, right? So if you're 720 and you're putting a certain amount down, you're gonna get whacked. If, you're, if your credit score 740, that used to give you the best pricing. Now you need to have 780. So there's all these hits that are charging you more on top of the high rate. So they did get away with a DTI hit where they're going to charge you three eighths and a loan level pricing adjustment, which honestly three eighths to half a point of loan level pricing adjustment can actually be an eighth in rate. So you could be talking with all these hits. You could be paying an eighth or a quarter more in interest rate on top of already the high rates. So it's not really helping. But the head person of Fannie, Freddie, you know, F, um, F, FHFA, they're basically uh, sticking to their guns and said these hits are warrant. They, we should have done them a while ago. I don't think they did anything with the pandemic and they left rates low. So they're, they're, these are warranted and then they need it because they need the money and all this stuff. So those, as of now, those loan level hits are there. If you buy a second home, they're hitting you. If you do cash out, they're hitting you. Fannie and Freddie came out and said, unless you have owned a property for a year, you can't even do cash out. So there's just a lot of different things that are going on here that are affecting rates that are going to affect buyers. And then let's wrap up on the housing. So what is happening here? Well, a lot of buyers are sitting on the side of the market because they don't want to buy right now. Um, they know inventories are low. They know interest rates are high and they want to, they want interest rates to come down. What do they want to come down to? I don't know. 5% seems to be this psyche of a rate, but let's be honest, that's going to probably take some time to get there. But I don't think they realize that if rates go down to 5% and even if we get more inventory, we're going to have a major problem here. It's going to be housing crisis 3.0 where things are going to get so inflated again. We're going to just have another housing bubble in my opinion. So, because um, 5% rates, I don't know if we're really going to get people to move that have, you know, 3%, right? Two and a half percent. Maybe, but hopefully we would get more inventory with that, but we'd have to see. So people waiting to buy, I understand. I get it, but I don't know if you're going to win. I think you might end up losing in this scenario and it's going to be worse for you. We've been working on this for the past few months. You know, we always want to bring as much value as we possibly can. And our partner, 
Prime Corporate Services is all about bringing you a service you can't get anywhere else at a price you can't get anywhere else. Whether you're new to owning a business or owning a property, or you're an experienced property owner or investor, Prime Corporate Services is not only going to help you, but they're going to make the process so much easier. So if you book a call, the first thing they're going to do for you is help you understand what your business structure should look like. Your corporate structure, tax planning, estate planning, all of that. Maybe you're saying, I'm brand new to starting a business and all this sounds foreign and complicated. Remember, this company helps new people just getting started every day. They're going to help you form the entity that's best for you and walk you through the process. Before I found this company, we paid thousands of dollars to other attorneys, CPAs, and consultants to try to understand exactly how we need to be structured to be as protected as possible. We've also gone the other route and used online platforms to form entities which unnecessarily put us at risk. You guys, you don't have to do that with this company. They'll do all of these things for you at a reasonable price so you you never have to think about saving money at the expense of exposing yourself to liability. We search high and low and you will not find this much value anywhere else. All you have to do is schedule a free call today. Just go to primecorporateservices.info slash G-I-T-C-G. Once again, that's primecorporateservices.info slash G-I-T-C-G. We'll also leave the info for you in the show notes. But moving on one to four, that's kind of a review of kind of what I see, what's going on. You know, yes, people are still doing some refis, cash out, getting at a higher rates. People have to, uh, buying out partners, divorce, things like that. And then, yeah, people are still buying, lenders are lending. Obviously, some of our portfolio lenders have backed off or raised rates, but Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA is always lending. They're aggressive. Guidelines have not much, have not changed much, just interest rates, so it's harder to qualify. You're not gonna get as much, obviously, loan dollars and and approved for as much because rates are higher. So, but let's move on and let's just take a quick view of what's going on in the commercial markets. And I'm not gonna go too deep, but I'm just gonna go high level. So from 2020 to 2022, syndicators raised at least $115 billion from investors according to SEC. So let's let's just go back there. A hundred from 2020 to 2022, $115 billion was raised from syndicators to buy real estate. The problem that we're finding is a lot of the money that was raised, a lot of the syndicators that bought stuff, not all, but a lot of them were new to the business. They just got in, you know, they took a class, they took a course, they were in a mastermind, whatever, which is great. But a lot of them might have not listened to their, you know, teacher. They went a little too aggressive. They started getting cocky because they, oh, I bought 500,000 units. And a lot of these people hadn't even made cash flow yet. They're just buying, right? They're acquiring, acquiring. The rents are going to go up. Rates are going to stay low. This thing's great forever. And then what happened? is a lot of them started to buy to get different debt so instead of the traditional I raise money I put 20 to 35 percent down I buy a deal I do a 7-1-10-1 IO with Fannie Freddie debt if I'm losing you guys you can look this up if you guys you guys understand this this you know what I'm talking about they lock in that deal and they go in there and they take the cash and they value add it over time fix it up raise the rents and they may hold that property five ten years but what happened is is people were paying these low cap rates in these outlining areas like in Texas and Arizona, all this, and they're doing crazy debt. So they were saying, oh, instead of that fixed debt, I'm going to do 80% leverage on this property. And then I'm going to do a floater rate that's mark two margin over the 30 day LIBOR. That's, you know, the rates three and a half. I'm winning. And they didn't realize the LIBOR is going to go from 0.5 to 5%. And now their rate is at seven, eight, 9%. They can't make the mortgage payment. They can't raise the rents. The property's a mess. They didn't, you know, do this. Then on top of that, he went and got 
pref money that's a second and they went really to leverage it to 85 to 90 and so those people are getting wiped out they didn't know what they're doing they bought an outlining areas at these low cap rates that they thought this thing was going to go on forever they're handing their keys back to the banks they're getting foreclosed on this is starting to happen a lot of people are losing money so you're going to see a lot of investors that gave that hard-earned money 100 grand 200 grand 500 grand a million dollars you're going to see people just lose money it's going to go away so it's going to be a problem so you're seeing some of that out there in the market look real estate's a great investment but market timing can be bad buying the wrong deal could be bad mismanagement not knowing what you're doing paying way too much for the property getting bad leverage you hear all these that's what can happen right bad leverage on any deal could be a problem so eventually it will work its way out and what's going to work out is the strong will survive in the week will those deals will get swallowed up by new investors well um, i'm not saying pennies on the dollar but the they'll probably a fraction of uh some type of fraction you know 70 percent less than what that person paid whatever for that buyer to make sense they'll close on that deal but also obviously in the office space there's um major problems right uh the work from home thing is still real even though they want people to come back to the office and let's be honest working from home is not the same as the office i don't care who anybody is it's just not but the bigger thing is is the debt mark in the office is non-existent office buildings you know there's stories that were valued at 300 plus million dollars selling for 60 80 million dollars in san francisco so office buildings some of these have got lost 40 50 percent of their value investors are getting crushed there lenders are getting crushed there people are trying to do construction loan the debt super high so there's all these things going on in the commercial market and really what it's coming down to is high rates are crushing it people that overpaid and got bad leverage are getting crushed and then the new debt market there's just no money i mean financing for real estate uh, commercial real estate transactions, depending on the, you know, what kind of debt it is, it's down anywhere from 70 to 85%. So there's just not much going on. It's like housing. There's not much inventory. Sellers are sitting on their property. They're cash flowing. They're not there. Buyers that are, you know, that's just the bigger buyers out there. They're, they're stacking cash. They're looking for deals. A lot of them are buying. They're just patiently waiting for this to see what happens, but they will buy, but they're just not buying right now. So there is a lot of opportunity out there, but there's also a lot of issues that are going to come from buying a deal that didn't make sense, over leveraging it, that's gonna unravel. People that are on adjustable rate mortgages and they can't refinance, that's gonna be a problem. So, you know, you got $1.5 trillion of debt due in the next two, three years for commercial loans. That's gotta get shaked out. If the banks are under pressure, are they gonna be able to refinance? Is Are they, are they gonna work the loans out? Is the private sector gonna come in? Is the government gonna come in? We just don't know. And so last but not least is if you're a real estate investor, if you're any investor and you're sitting on cash, you you can simply go put it in short-term treasury bills and earn 5% with zero risk. It's backed by the government. Yes, you're not getting the equity gain. Yes, you're not getting taxes, but while you're sitting there watching this shit show, let's call it, go on in front of you, because that's what that is for the probably the commercial market, because things are all over the place. You're just looking for deals and really what the true value is of things. You can sit there and make 5% on your money, right? So anyways, that's kind of it for this week. Just want to jump in and overview of what's going on residential, some little bullet points of what's going on with commercial. Look, commercial, yes, there are lenders lending. They're doing owner user, they're doing um, investment property, multifamily, they're doing stuff. Obviously rates are higher. Yes, they're being pickier. Not yes, you might be with a bank and they're not lending right now. They just simply are not lending. They are recalibrating their balance sheet. We had a podcast that just came out uh, last week. When this gets released, you guys should go watch with um, um, my friend Sean Puckett, I'm um, talking about the banking, banking crisis, what's going on there. But look, a lot of banks are having to stack cash, get their balance sheet back up. Some of them lent way too much money at a low rate. And so they're only collecting that 3%, but they've got to pay the CDs, the money market accounts, and their account holders, right? They got to pay 4%. So you got to remember, they got to get the money from somewhere. So a lot of 
rebalancing the balance sheet. Some lenders that did not over lend, they were smart about lending, were conservative, didn't go crazy, didn't have the lowest rates. They're lending, they're active. Yeah, rates are high, but they're there. So if it's not that nobody's lending, it's just not as much lending is going on out there, a lot less, 70% less. Between residential, commercial, there are deals getting done. There's deals getting financing. We're doing them every day. My wife's doing them every day. So we know they're getting done. And then so for a lot of you guys listening, it's like, where is the opportunity, right? So for commercial, multifamily and stuff, I think a lot of people are waiting to see what the opportunity was going to bring. And in the residential market, if you're buying a primary residence, you know, my thing is the opportunity is if you buy now and refi when the rates go lower, I think you're going to be in a great position. I think if you wait for the rates to go lower and look, and that's what you want to do, that's great. You are going to have a longer line of people. You're going to be dealing with, instead of, you know, the 10, 15 offers I'm seeing now and the overbidding, you're going to be dealing with 30, 40 offers and way overpaying. I mean, we had a scenario this last week where 850 purchase price, I called the agent, said we're going to submit an 870 offer. Just her, she wanted me to cross call with her lender. And I said, I just don't want to waste time. I heard you have 14 offers. We're going to, we're going to throw 870 out there. Is that going to work? She says, let me just stop you. I appreciate you calling, but I have two offers at a million dollars or more. What? Yes. Holy smokes. And guys, this is interest rates where the conventional rates still you know, with the six in front of it. We're not talking 5% conventional rates or in the mid fours on FHAVA. That will come if inventory doesn't come. The number I just told you instead of a million will be, you know, one, one, a million fifty. I hate to say it because the debt's much lower. So if we don't get the inventory and rates go low and you're waiting, you will be paying more for the house. You'll be dealing with so much more pressure and stress to try to find a house and you're going to probably lock yourself out of the house. And where is the inventory going to come from? I don't know. Hopefully it'll pick up. And if the market picks up a little more and people are saying, wow, people are getting a good number for their house. Maybe people that want to sell a place or need a flight to cash or whatever will be more, feel more confident selling their house and just because they're going to make more money off you. So anyways, with that being said, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for all. When I see you guys, just, you know, I appreciate all the good comments, all the feedback. I always hear good things. I don't know how many episodes we are now, but I love doing the podcast. I love sharing. I love educating. We do spend a lot of time behind the scenes, researching, studying, talking to, listening, reading blogs, all that stuff to bring you guys what we think the latest and greatest is in the real estate market. And a lot of it today is like, it's great hearing from other people, but it's also great to know like what the heck is going on out there and breaking down some of this news. And that's why I want to have this today. So if you guys could do me a huge favor, I'd really appreciate it. Hey, share this episode with somebody. When you have five minutes, if you're listening to it on Apple, could you give us a five-star review? Could you like it, comment on it, share with other people? I do really appreciate um, the feedback, any reviews, anything at all. And I'm excited for what's coming. I think we're definitely going to get well, we're going to get more into the podcast season. A lot more guests are going to be coming on. We got some exciting things we're working on in the background that I keep mentioning. Um, one will be released pretty soon. Another one is just in the works. It's an exciting year. If we can help you guys at all, we do talk to a lot of people, answer real estate questions. We're always here. I focus on one of four financing. Crystal does commercial financing. If you guys don't know our story, go check us out. You know, we used to manage our about 1,500 units. We built our real estate portfolio ourselves. Crystal and I have done over $3 billion of loans. And so we have a lot of experience. So we talk to a lot of people every day, all day long, whether it's buying a primary or buying an investor property or complicated financing scenarios. So we do it all. We're really good at it. If you're asking me for advice on how to fix your car or to come out and help you rebuild your kitchen, that's probably not something I'm going to be good at. But if it comes to real estate advice on financing or opinions or tenants or things like that, we are really good at what we do from experience, a lot of hard work. So again, I appreciate it, guys. Have a great week, weekend and we will see you guys soon. Thanks so much for watching and listening.
If you're already a real estate investor, you know that aside from cash flow, you also get huge tax benefits by investing in real estate. But are you taking full advantage of all the potential tax benefits? We've been working with Tim Looney at CSSI for a few years now, and he's saved us and our clients hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in taxes doing cost segregation studies on their properties. Let me give you a few examples. We bought a property in 2019. If we had just used straight line depreciation, we would have saved about $18,750 in taxes. But because we did a cost seg, we saved two $258,000. That's $239,350 more than standard straight line depreciation in the first year. The other great thing is if you're classified as a real estate professional, you can apply this to other sources of income like W-2 or 1099 income. And you can also roll over any unused depreciation to future years. If you've owned your properties for a few years already, don't worry. You can still do a cost seg and save big on your taxes. This is not tax advice. So consult your CPA to see if you qualify to take advantage of these benefits. Call or text Tim at 318-469-9861 to get your complimentary property analysis. Once again, that's 318-469-9861. And I'll also include his information in the show notes. You guys don't want to miss out on these tax savings.